The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Well, welcome to OPCC and welcome to those of you joining online today. I don't know if you guys get the sense of this. That's Corey, obviously uh, one of our staff members, great guy. But when you're watching, I, when I'm watching that video, I feel like I'm on a cruise for seniors at a morning breakfast listening to all that I get to do today. I don't know why, but maybe it's the music he's playing in the background. And then, Corey, I just, I know you're watching right now, and I just want to say to you, bro, as a new father, one, congratulations, and two, you need to step it up, man. You look awful. Like, <laughs> like I guarantee you we could put Christina on the video, and she would look fine. She would be glowing and look like she's full of energy. You look like you have COVID and are knocking on death's door. And so, so anyway, I uh, just uh, want to encourage uh, uh, you guys today in the Word. Thankful to be here with you. My waiters were hanging upside down when I got them out the rack, and I was worried about them. They totally leaked. Like, I'm in soaked from here down. And thankfully, I had my hunting gear in the truck and sent Abby out to get me another pair of socks. And so this one of those days, man, who knows what may happen today. But I'm encouraged by Coy's baptism and certainly by my youngest daughter, uh, Zoe, uh, following the Lord in baptism. And today, I'm going to talk to you a little bit, share a little bit of, take a break from major and the minors. We're going to jump back in, and I'm excited to uh, pick up those last two books. I think we're going to have a lot of fun in, in the book of Zechariah and Malachi. Um, but before we do that, I just kind of felt prompted by the Lord that we should spend a little time on vision today. And so ironically, a lot of times when I do vision uh, talks, I'll go back and look at some of the sermons I've preached historically at the church, and I, I happened to open one, and I was dealing with our core value, and it uh, was one of the core values of, uh, of the church's authenticity. What you see is what we will be. And, uh, and I had put in my notes what I wanted to say there is, we will not wear masks at OPCC. Now, that was years ago. And so I was talking about putting a mask on uh, literally, but anyway, I, I don't know what to think about all this. I'm not going to get into that because I don't want to get all political in today's talk, and I don't want to get upset. I want to stay encouraging, okay? And so uh, today, uh, I want to talk to you about a story uh, and bring you a little bit up to speed of where we're at in the project, um, where, where, we've come, where we come from, where we're at, and, and, and where we're going. Uh, but I want you to turn to Luke chapter 1. There's a pretty cool story there that has to do with vision. And um, I think I'm going to read a little bit of it and then uh, share a couple of thoughts, and then we'll move on. I've got a couple of surprises for you today. This is about Luke is writing um, about the, you know, the historical account of the arrival of Christ, and he starts with telling about John the Baptist, the birth of John the Baptist. And it says, uh, in that time, or in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. So it tells us they were elderly. They were probably beyond the, the time of uh, getting close probably for sure of not being able to have kids. They, they walked with the Lord, man. They observed all that he had commanded. Um, and, you know, they were discouraged because oftentimes the barrenness of the womb during this period of time was a reflection that God was not pleased with you. 
which wasn't always the case. Sometimes God was, was doing something. He was telling a greater story. And, and so sometimes that's why a person wasn't able to conceive of a child. And so that's where they were at. And they had been praying. And Zacharias, it says, once when, his, uh, when Zacharias' uh, division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So it was a really big deal, man. And his lot came and he got picked. It was a big deal to get picked. And he got picked to go in and burn this incense. And while he was in there burn, burning incense and all the people were outside the temple, it says that an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. And he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. And many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It's a big deal, man, because when we go back to the minor prophets that we've been learning about, Malachi is the last one um, after the exile. And then we enter what is known as the interbiblical period or the silent years, where there wasn't a prophet for 400 years. And so the people didn't hear from a man of God that God put his spirit in specifically to send a message to the people. And they were just going about it the best they could and trying to follow the law. And that's how things got so twisted and so messed up is they continued to rebel against the Lord and they just started making all kinds of traditional stuff. And so for 400 years this went on and, and things got twisted and perverted and and, and when God had originally intended. And so then God tells Zechariah, who's been wanting a child. When he goes into the, the, the temple to burn the incense, he says, you're going to have a son, man. And your son is going to be a prophet. And I'm going to put the spirit of Elijah in him, which was huge because Elijah was not one of the minor prophets. He was one of the major prophets. Big deal to have the spirit of Elijah, one of the most powerful prophets that we have in the Old Testament that God used in a mighty way. And so he says, man, this is what's going to happen. And this angel was used inside the temple to convey this message to Zechariah. And so here's Zechariah's response. He asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And so he sort of says, as the angel says that, and he's kind of over, he's gotten over his fear a little bit, and he's, now he's overwhelmed by the message. His re responses say, what? You know, he's like, what is going on here? And so the angel answers him, and he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. <laughs> and so, like, he didn't believe the vision that the angel gave to him that came from heaven. And because he didn't believe, he was told that he would not be able to speak until it came to pass, which was nine months later. And so meanwhile, it says the people were waiting 
um, for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And so Zechariah comes out of the temple and because he doubted the vision that God had given, he's not able to speak. And the people are looking at him and they know that he's encountered something while he's in there. And so they go home and, and Elizabeth, they, they, she becomes pregnant. They, they seclude themselves and they're kind of waiting on the arrival of the son. And so the arrival of the son finally comes, and we jump over to verse 57, and it says, When it is time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Okay, so you can read on. And what they did is they go over there, and they're going to circumcise the child on the eighth day, and they're going to give him his name. And so they ask, uh, <laughs> they ask Elizabeth, what, what is his name to be? And she said, his name's going to be John. He's like, you don't have anybody in your family named John. You can't name this boy John. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And so they're frustrated with her, and they're trying to influence her in a very, like, uh, intimidating way. And they turn to uh, Zechariah, and it says, They made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. And then his mouth was opened and he was able to talk. And then he breaks forth in praise. Okay? So when we look at this, um, what I want to key in on, what does that have to do with vision? Uh, Like, I I don't ever want to be silenced, you know? When the Lord breathes a vision into you as a person, I don't ever want to be one who is silenced because I doubt the vision or I don't believe what God has called uh, me to do. And so today, like, I want to kind of cast a little bit of that vision. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, um, where it is rooted in. Um, because when we talk about what's happening at the church, it certainly personally is deeply rooted in me long before um, I was even ever married. Like, what the Lord is doing at this church, I believe. And it, it goes back to a time where, so what happened for me is I, you know, I was... I had, I'd been living in a pretty rebellious state of my life uh, when it came to, to who Jesus was and following him. I certainly was a believer, was saved. I possessed the Holy Spirit, was walking in guilt and shame and conviction, knew I was being disobedient. And, and then once the Lord really got a hold of me and started working in my life, I, I surrendered and, and the, just a flood of joy came over my life. And I was I was driven to the word, and I, would begin, I began to read the word and just would consume it. I mean, I think in the, the first month after that commitment from July, or from, I think, June 30th to the end of July, I read the entire New, New Testament like five times. Like, I was just, I, I, I was blown away because I was like, why didn't anybody ever tell me this? And probably people had told me different things about it, but the lights hadn't come on for me. The way the Holy Spirit was pouring through me and, and things were just happening at a very rapid uh, pace for me in, that, in my life. And man, I, would, I, would, I was praying uh, and I didn't know I could pray the way that I prayed. And I'd walk through the house and I was a bachelor at the time and, and I would just start praying and talking to the Lord. And, and in the midst of talking to the Lord and, and after having consumed the word, man, 
it would just turn into sermons and stuff was coming out of me. And I, was been, I would stop in the midst of the prayer and go, man, like, how did that happen? And it was a very powerful experience because I was recognizing, man, that there was a stirring in me that I never had experienced before. So I wasn't a kid who grew up and was always in speech class and doing all these things. Man, I was a shy kid. Like you, if there was a clown somewhere or somebody in a gorilla suit and I was at the store, I was gone, man. I didn't want anything to do with stuff like that. Didn't want to talk to strangers. I was, I was, a, I was pretty shy as a young person. And, and so this, this, when the Lord, this man, he started birthing this in me, and I was, I was preaching like to, really, the only person that was li- listening was my Rottweiler. <laughs> if there ever was an animal that got saved, that dog did. Okay. And, and so like I, for the next 30 to 45 days, man, this is like I'm, I'm still wrestling with this. And I, all I can think about is what, what is happening. Nobody knows what is happening inside of me, but me and the Lord and the, the dog's name was Sebastian. And, and so I, I started to ask my pastor at the time about it, like, what, you know, how did you know if the Lord was calling you to preach? And he's like, man, that's all that I could think about. And so uh, he asked me to, you know, he said, why don't you give your testimony, uh, you know, next month and blah, blah, blah. And, and just, he said, you don't have to answer the call to preach and see how it goes. So I get up and, and, and prepare some things to give my testimony. And I just, man, I just preach a whole sermon. It was the easiest thing I'd ever done in my life. It just, it's just like it's just a opening a, a fire hydrant and those, it just came out. And I, I was so glad to get it out because it was, it was burning inside of me. And so during that period, uh, back in 1992, when all this was going on, um, like, like I can remember this like it was yesterday. Like I was, I was kneeling on my bedroom floor next to my bed and I was talking to the Lord. I was actually standing up. And I felt the Lord just say to me, he was going to use me to lead a ministry that was going to have a significant impact on the kingdom. And I fell to my knees. And I, I was overwhelmed. Like I was overwhelmed in the moment. And, and so like, I, I didn't know what that meant. And I still really don't know what it means even today, other than I know that it happened, okay? And so I started to, you know, serve in my church and started preaching, and I was, you know, um, traveling around and preaching in Oklahoma and different places as I went to Bible college, and ironically, the first time I ever got on an airplane, I flew to Kansas City uh, to come and and preach at some little church here in Kansas City, Missouri, and... uh, that was a funny experience. I got on the plane and I, I was nervous. Okay. I was flying by myself, never flown before. And I got on the plane and I just, as soon as I walked in, I, it was open seating. So I saw an open seat and I sat down and it was the front seat that was facing that way toward the back of the plane. And so Kansas city's flight is kind of like from Oklahoma city. So the whole first half of the flight, I flew like this, (laughs) Uh, but anyway, um, and so I, I went, went on in life, ended up Ended up going and spending a semester at Focus on the Family uh, Institute in Colorado uh, Springs. Did a semester there. Came back from there and started as a youth pastor at a church in Oklahoma. Abby and I were dating at the time. A year after that, I got married. We served as uh, youth pastors in that church for about four years. And then God called us to uh, be the lead pastors. And for the next 11 years, I was 29 and, and she was 21. 
whatever you say, you got a mask on, I can't hear you. <laughs> and so, plus I can't hear her anyway. Uh, so anyway, so like, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just preaching the word, man, and the church grows, and, 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 and the Lord blessed that ministry. And, and I, I, I thought that, you know, that it would happen there. And through a course of events um, that impacted my life and, and even us kind of getting in a really unhealthy place um, in that ministry, the Lord used that to bring us to Kansas City. And I, I really don't think there's any other way uh, other than the way that it happened that the Lord would have got us here. And so we come and th this church is pretty much um, a, a church on its last leg. Um, they were even talking about if they couldn't figure out how to go forward, they had plans and how to liquidate all the assets and, and give it to other ministries. And so with that handful of people to call me here, we came and, um, and I really believe it's supposed to happen here. The opportunity that was this place when the Lord called me here, I couldn't believe where the church was located. I could not believe that it's right on the main thoroughfare of South Johnson County, which I didn't know anything about South Johnson County. I was just praying that the Lord would put me in a populated area where I could reach a lot of people for him and his kingdom. And we looked at the church and we zoom out on Google Earth and see all these homes and learn that there's 4,000 people per square mile. Over 90-something thousand cars a day come up and down Metcalf Avenue. And like then to know some of the things that are happening in the community and what my ministry, the Lord has called me to in the faithful teaching of the word and being faithful to, to, to be teaching it as it is written and not what I want it to be. Uh, which is not really the most popular thing to do right now. And so I, I just believe as I look at that and look at all of these things and how the Lord has moved, that he wants to do something significant with this ministry that we're all a part of. Now, I get to, I get to lead it, and when I say the Lord gave me a vision, it's not my vision. Just like this was not Zachariah's vision. This vision came from the Lord, and I didn't have an angel that showed up. It was more of an impressing, and I just felt the presence of the Lord pressing in on my heart in that moment in time. And so, uh, so we came, and, and we just started working on that. And it's been slow. It's been a decade that we've been investing in this, in, in this ministry. But I'm thankful for the, the time that it has taken because there, there were things that needed to happen. And some things that needed to happen was just a more refining of myself and, and Abby uh, as well. I think the Lord was being gracious to us and that when, you're, when a ministry just begins to really grow and start moving, it's pretty demanding and our, our children were young and, and so it really allowed us to be able to pour into our kids in a special way and connect with them. And so I'm thankful that it, it, it was slow. I wasn't thankful while it was being slow. <laughs> but I, I'm, as I look back, I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for the way the Lord has taught me the importance of discipleship and that the ministry shouldn't be built on my ability to preach and teach and how good the children's ministry is and how good the worship is. Now, all those things are important, okay? And, and we should seek to improve all those things and work hard on all those things. But the ministry should never rest on those things. It should rest on the body itself and the body learning how to make disciples that can make disciples that can make disciples. That's what Jesus said that we're supposed to do. So that way, if something happens to me and I'm on my way home uh, from church or, or a hunting trip or I fall out of a tree stand and, and I die, the church is okay 
Because it's a church that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. And that when I die and I'm on the other side, the church is still here and I'm there and the church is making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And it's not doing something to uh, confuse what the, the actual mission is of the church. And so we set out on this journey to begin working on that. And, and the Lord has, has blessed it, you know. We had a, a membership gathering a couple of weeks ago, and there were more people in that uh, class after church out in the lobby than there were when we closed the church down and started renovating it in 2011. There were more people in that class that day than were a part of the church, and they actually joined. And so we see the movement of the Lord. And um, one of the things that the Lord said clearly about this ministry is that that, you know, the inside needed to be addressed and remodeled. Um, the, the, uh, and the exterior, when the time came, it needed to be addressed. And, and so we, we were able this year to do a, an incredible thing with the kids' ministry. And it has helped tremendously. Um, we spent about $60,000 down there renovating and decorating and theming it, and people absolutely love it. And, and it, it's something you can be proud of. And it used to not be that way. When you take people down there, you kind of have to, to, you feel like you were apologizing for it. But now you, you take people down there and they're like, wow, man, this looks amazing. And so they're surprised by it. So it's very encouraging. And we've see, we're seeing it help us even right now as fam uh, families with young kids are sticking and, and want to be a part. They know that we're investing in our kids' ministry. It helps with our preschool as we give tours. And Abby brings a new family in. And they, they're like blown away with the way the space looks and the theme. And so it's helped. And, and, and we're thankful for that. And so now we come to this part about the exterior of the building. And what happened was, is, man, we're, we're trying to deal with how do we take a building that doesn't really say who we are and what's happening on the inside? How do we take that and take advantage of all of these vehicles and people that are passing by our streets on a, on a daily basis and communicate that there's a bigger story here? And that ended up, um, we started with signs and the signs um, quickly, we realized that wasn't going to do it, and we brought an architect and involved him and kind of gave him a budget, which totally has gotten blown, okay? The, the, the thing is much more expensive than what we originally planned, and we were ready to scrap it, and I was doing, giving a talk much like today, <laughs> And we were thinking we were going to have to go to the drawing board and, and ask, we were asking people to, to pray about it. And someone stepped up and made a big commitment to the project and said, I, you know, I, I, I will swing this big if someone else will come alongside. And then somebody else came alongside and then somebody else came alongside. And then the whole body, we had a day uh, in November last year and the body pledged uh, $329,000 toward this project. And so to date, we've got 236 that have came, has come in. And so we're, we're excited about that, and, but yet there's still, we still got a ways to go. And so this has been so frustrating to me. It's been so frustrating to me because I believe that it's something the Lord can use in, a, in, a, in an incredible way. And I'm encouraged by this quote by Michelangelo. He says, in every block of marble, I see a statue. I see it as plainly as though it stood before me shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to hoe away the rough walls which imprisoned the lovely apparition to reveal it to other eyes as mine already see it. And man, I can see that. 
<laughs> like I can see, even in what the Lord is already doing in the midst of this ministry, I could see it from the time I was 22. And, and it's like I've been chipping away and the Lord has used different people to come around side of me and, and different ministries and the Lord just continues to chip and, and, and the thing becomes more and more visible. And so we're, what I like and where we're at right now is it's kind of at a place where, man, if this one thing, I just keep hammering away at it and I, I'm, I don't want to hammer it too hard because I might break it off. Uh, but I don't want to not hammer. And so that's kind of at this, at where, where we're at right now. And I don't know, like, so what I feel as a leader, and, and again, just being authentic because it's one of our core values, I feel like I keep getting up and telling you guys, man, we're getting closer and we're not getting any closer. And I feel like, I feel like just honestly, now none of you have made me feel this way, but I feel foolish and I feel like I'm letting you down. And, and it's frustrating to me. And I start working with the, the contractor and they don't deliver like they're supposed to. And so it just, it just keeps making me feel like, man, people are going to think that I'm not working. I'm just out deer hunting. <laughs> That's kind of what I feel like sometimes. And I'm working and I'm praying and I'm doing all that I can. But the Lord has a plan, okay? And the Lord is in it. And so sometimes we have to be reminded. And so I need to kind of vocalize this to you and say, this, this thing is happening, okay, guys? It's going to happen. But the Lord's got his hand on it, and we got to continue to be patient and trust in him. And so rather than continue to listen to me talk, what I felt like the Lord was impressing is um, I, we're going to hear from a couple other people. And one of them is somebody that's new to the church who's been a tremendous encouragement. Um, and uh, he, his name is Jason Barrett, and he's going to come on up right now. And then when he's done, Dan's going to come, and he's going to talk a little bit logistically about our plan going forward, what we're trying to do and uh, we'll go from there. Jason, come and share with us. Am I okay to take this off? Yeah, you can take it off. Well, uh, if you want to know what faith looks like, it's a new guy at the pulpit, you know, about yeah. six to eight weeks in, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, good for you. Uh, let me tell you something. I don't know if you guys believe in uh, hearing from the Lord. I get uh, to where over the years I've thought, you know, is he talking to me? Am I hearing from him? What's, he, what's his voice sound like? And I've come to realize here lately that it sounds more like, uh, you know, your, your head pastor getting up and saying, we're going to preach from Luke 1. And I just read Luke 1 yesterday. And it's been about a two-week process for me to get to Luke 1. And Shay knows I'm supposed to be in Daniel this week. So even though I'm supposed to go to Daniel after Mark, I was like, I just feel like reading Luke 1. I don't know why. So I'm in Luke 1, he gets up, we're in Luke 1 today. You see what I'm saying? That's how it sounds. So why am I up here? Let me, I don't know. Uh, I, let me start with who I am and kind of take you through that and then tell you why I do think I'm up here. Um, my name is Jason Barrett. My wife, Stephanie, is right here in the chief shirt. Good for her. I have um, five sons there to the side of, of uh, my mother-in-law, Sue, sitting right next to Stephanie. Um, I grew up in Topeka, went to K-State, from there went to Wichita. Uh, let me give you an idea how my Sundays looked growing up. We were hunting or we were playing sports. That's it. We were not in church. Um, my dad, who I love dearly, I, I, I think it was more impressed upon me that church folks were really nice people, but they're probably not our people. You know, they're 
Like he played softball, but didn't never ever joined the church softball team. Always, ah, you know, no, I'll play with my friends. You know that sort of thing. And so that's kind of how I grew up. I, I my mother is a believer, um, but she gave way, and we hunted and we played sports. That's what our weekends looks like. And so I did go through a confirmation. I think I was telling Shay this weekend, I think I was there twice, and they confirmed me. It was like no, no confirm me left behind back in the day, right? So I got a Bible, um, but, but that was it, and I didn't feel quite uh, right about my salvation. And very similar story, I, I go through college, end up in Wichita, Kansas, and um, I'll just share, I ex-wife at the time, uh, suggested we should be in church. We had little children, we should be in church, and I thought that that was right. And, and all of a sudden, I was getting hammered. You know, like, uh, God was coming after me, and, and I thought, I, very similar story to what you heard here, like, I, I really need to get baptized. I personally never s- selected baptism, and I need to do that. And so I did do that at a church called Riverlawn in uh, Wichita, Kansas. And then from there, very similar to Jimmy, I was just... I, I need to learn more and more about this. And, and for me, it's been Bot Radio Network. I don't know if, if you all are familiar with Bot Radio Network. If you're not, um, you can just soak up the word all day long. Every half hour, there's a new Jimmy coming on, hitting you with the word, and it's fantastic. And you can get this education in a hurry. And, that, and I still, to this day, listen to Bot Radio Network. And now that there are podcasts, I can actually, as I have time, I can fill in with the ones I didn't catch live. So anyway... That's kind of how um, I came to, uh, to where I am today. When we moved here, we were going to Olathe Christian Church. My kids, very similar to me growing up, are wrestlers, baseball players, that sort of thing. And so we ended up going to, uh, I think I can name it, CORE, down the way. And it was because of the times that they offered for uh, service and the kids programming. And they have... Both are are nailed down really well. They've drifted lately a lot, in my opinion. And uh, so we, about a year ago, decided that um, we needed to look around and find a new place to land. And we started that process, and my wife will tell you I'm not so great. I'm very, very particular, very particular. And she would find a place where she liked the music, and, and quite frankly... Um, I'm not looking for a rock concert. And, and, you know, or we would find the music's right and I'm not, ah, gosh, the word's wrong, you know. And so we ended up settling on a place and I'll leave that one alone, but it was uh, in the area and it's a great church, but then COVID hit, you know, and COVID hit and we couldn't go to church, which is kind of important. In my opinion, you need to be in church. And, and so we start with Zoom church, and we're drifting, you know, and it's just, it wasn't, it wasn't how it should have been. Fast forward to September, I have a moose hunt, oddly enough, that I'm going on with a friend of mine in Alaska. Stephanie is great friends with the Haddocks and says, I'm going to go check out that church while you're gone, which she does. She's on fire when I get home. I really think you need to go. You know, she's got that, uh, I hate to even say this, but we should go check it out, right? Fine, you know, we'll do that. I like Shay, I like the family, let's go check it out. And I tell you what, um, from the minute that we walked in here, this is a great 
church, you guys. This is a great church. Um, Sean and Corey, that music. I, I, it, she'll tell you, I'm not a music. You're fantastic. Uh, you're like a one-man band up here with the thing going in the... I just sit there. Oh, I'm amazed. And then Corey, when he's up here, he's fantastic. Like, I could, like which one are you supposed to be the... You know, anyway, that's fantastic, and I'm so impressed. And then Jimmy... My goodness, man, that's, you have a gift. You really do. You really, really do. And I'm going to tell you, you know, when you go to these churches, you get a verse on the screen and then life lessons. And, and you, you did it again today. You read it to us. Just keep going because you, you don't come out of it until you feel led to come out of it. And next thing you know, we're a full chapter in, you know, and then we're skipping over. And rather than just hit a highlight, we're going through, I, I follow you, and we're going through, Verse after verse after, I love that. I don't know about you guys, but I don't have to wonder because it's exactly what it says in here, right? And so, you know, that's when, when I came here, I thought, man, this place has got it nailed. Shay, I haven't got to hear you yet in person, but I'm going to. <laughs> I'm sure of that. Um, then you have the downstairs, which I have two children down there right now. Molly's fantastic. I can't pull them out of there when we're done with church, by the way. Friends of ours started and came here with us, and their kids were, how many sleeps until we get to go back? You know, does that tell you something? Yeah. You know, like you're hitting exactly what you want to hit. Um, and in this area, it's families, you know, and it's, it's big families like that. Um, the preschool is awesome. I mean, you just, you have so much going for you right here. And so the other thing I noticed when I walked in, I'm imagining myself coming through that door. On the left, there were the boards up of the, of the project. And I look at that and I think, that's exactly what this place needs. And I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry to be so, you know, it's too bad, isn't it? It's too bad. But that is what this place needs because I live out in Stillwell and I've driven right past this church. I'm part of the 90,000 a day, every single day. And you know what stands out to me about this church is the signs. So congrats to Corey. I think he's the one that does the graphic and sticks it the, gotten my attention, but you can drive right by here and not see it because you're looking at Old Town Pizza that's now about to be Papa Kino's, and then you're paying attention to the, um, the crosswalk that's coming up and the ever-present you know, officer sitting there making sure you slow down, etc., and um, you blow by it, and that's a shame. And so I saw that, and I thought, that is exactly what this church needs. And I, so I asked Shay, you know, what can you tell me about it? Oh, man, you know, <laughs> sorry to do my shit. Hey, man, well, you know, he was telling me, and I go, well, how much? Ah, oh, you, you know, you should have coffee with Jimmy. And so I did, and we had lunch. And, you know, he, he mentions the numbers going up. It's not that high. You know that, guys? Look how many people are just here, and we're not even talking COVID. It's not that high. And it really should happen. And, and, and it will draw attention to some of the best church going on in this area. I guarantee it. And that's what people need. And so I think when he asked me to come up here, I, I, I was thrilled to do it. I'm skipping all kinds of bullet points and whatnot. But my thought is that that will draw attention. That will get people into the inside of this building. And you guys will take it from there. We'll take it from there. It's fantastic. So, so that's kind of what I wanted to say. You know, I'm, I'm raising five boys. Um, 
I think this is the kind of church that they need to be in. I think this will develop them into the kind of men that I hope that they are someday. Um, I think this will be the church that my marriage will grow and prosper in. I think this is the place. And, and it's a shame. We need to get other people in here. And I've never, in all the years I've gone to church with as much excitement as I've had, I've never been as excited about a church as I am about this one. And I've been telling people about it left and right. We were at a homeschool group the other day, and I go, man, you guys got to try this church. So-and-so's telling me about a hunt he's going on. I'm like, you know who hunts? These two guys that run our, you know, <laughs> you should come and try our church. It's just over and over again. And so anyway, I, I just, I think maybe that's, that's what I had hoped uh, to, to, to communicate. And, and I'll pass it off. Um, but you guys are, this is awesome. It really is, and, and, and we've got something going, and Jimmy's right. It's, gonna, it's going to blow up because it takes a few people to get kind of lit up like this. Next thing you know, you've got other problems. So, yep. Don't mind the technical transfer of microphones. We'll get right through that real quick. My name is Dan Merck. Uh, I'm quite the opposite of Jason. I've been here for a long, long time. <laughs> uh, I think I started going here around 2003 uh, and then was part of the group that brought the Holbrooks up here. I've been very excited to see it grow from the 15 to the ones that are here today and knowing that we have an online presence. Uh, it's been pretty exciting to watch the entire time. And so... And I, I agree with what Jason said. Like, this is how you get to see the Spirit move. Uh, I was brought to Luke, but not one, thank goodness, because it's a little harder to pull out. But I was drawn to Luke 14 and 12. And so uh, I'm going to tie a little bit with what Shay talked about last week and a little bit from Luke. But I'm going to start with Luke 14, verse 28. It says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And so Jesus talked about that as the cost of discipleship. He's like, who wants to go into something without knowing what the true costs are? And this was a very real-world example to the people that were listening to him to know that if you build something, you frankly have to figure out how much it costs. And so we're going to take that in a literal sense. I mean, yes, it does apply to the cost of discipleship, and we know that, but it was such a real-world example that even though we're setting out to build this thing, we need to know how much it costs. And so it's a good rule of thumb uh, that we've taken, and every step of the way, we've gotten a set of plans. We started out with an architect who came in. Uh, he got us to about uh, maybe some 10 to 20% plans, which means they're only 10 to 20% complete. Like the details are not done. It's just, hey, look how pretty this is. Let's figure out how much it costs. And so we built a cost estimate. And then we went through and we started progressing even further. We got 30% plans. We got 40% plans. And we started working through these costs till we knew the time to set out to actually start to acquire bids. So where are we at today? We have a set of probably, they're probably 90% plans. They're called a bid set, which is what I then send out to the different contractors to say, give me a bid on steel, on translucent panels, on electrical, on lighting, foundations, dirt work, all the details and the minutia of getting this thing built. Because I mean, it, just the vision alone doesn't 
dig a hole in the ground. It gets someone excited to dig a hole in the ground, and that's what we're trying to do now. So we have a bid set. We've sent that out to try to get bids. Uh, we have probably of the bids, I would say we're sitting around that 60%, 70% comfortable with where they're at, but we know we have work to do. Uh, there's a number of them. There's probably 15 to 20 different bids that we're trying to collect. Uh, we're also in the, the place of trying to get the utility relocated. And so everybody has water lines, sewer lines, gas lines all coming to their house. Uh, we're no different. The Lord provided utilities, and we're going to use them just like we do at home. So the, some of the gas lines have to be moved. Uh, we've started those conversations, and we've been pretty diligent to get them at a much more considerable rate than they do typically. I mean, I think it's just the gas they've estimated like 2500 bucks, and usually that is a lot more, maybe even a whole extra digit. And so we've been very fortunate to be wise stewards of that. Um, and so there's a number of those that have to happen. So there's a lot of moving pieces with getting utilities relocated. Uh, something Jimmy led up to, uh, the frustrations, we did have a time where we talked to an existing contractor and we basically said, hey, help us know what we don't know. Because we have this much amount of bids. We know we have this much more. Help us know what those are. Uh, and some of the things they brought up, like if we have a crane to take down the steeple, that crane's probably going to damage some of our asphalt parking lot. So we need a price to fix the asphalt parking lot. That was stuff up until the 90% plans we just hadn't thought of yet. And so we're trying to help or get people to stand up and buy the vision to help us know what we just don't know. Uh, now, in that, there were some frustrations. The timing has been very slow. Uh, the, the quality has been somewhat lacking. And so we're just trying to work to get to that good spot. Do we have uh, a perfect partner? No, we're not there yet. And so we know we have some steps to go, some, some steps to take to move forward. Uh, I am reminded of... Um, Oh, it's at the very end of Luke, where these two dudes are walking down the path. Jesus comes up, says, hey, what's up, homies? They didn't recognize him. So he spent all day talking to them. And they didn't recognize him because they were disappointed that we thought Jesus was going to be the Messiah. How come you haven't heard to the stranger and he's the Messiah? They didn't recognize him because they were looking at him through their own lenses, their own filter of what they expected Jesus to look like as the Messiah. And so have we done that? I don't know. But we're trying to make sure we don't continue to do that. Because, man, these guys sat down and said, hey, come have dinner. Jesus broke bread. Man, they were just put in awe of what they saw, the splendor of the Messiah. And then, poof, he vanished. And so we want to make sure we're taking the steps to see this whole process through the lens and the filter of Jesus as what he wants to do. Jesus is going to build his church, and that's what he's doing here. Jesus brought his person to give us the word weekly. That's Jimmy. He brought someone extremely talented to serve behind him. That's Shay. Corey, Sean, he has put these people here to build his church. And now he's actually going to literally build parts of his church. And so we want to make sure that we're taking the moments to sit back and see it through the lens of what Jesus wants for his building. So what that means, what are the next steps? Uh, we do have to find a partner. Uh, the next step, like I think it's either Monday or Tuesday this week, we have a meeting with another contractor to see if they can be that partner that Jesus has for us. Uh, we are going to make this a competitively bid process because we don't want someone to say, man, I'll partner with you, but then don't have any um, accountability on the dollar, dollars that they're giving us. So we're, we're going to competitively bid this. We have meetings this week. I talked to another guy uh, yesterday 
who has an estimator that loves to look at things like this, loves to look at things for churches, uh, and he's a rather large contractor who those guys don't always like the projects as small as ours. And so it's actually probably a good thing for us because we don't have to worry about them getting, um, like we're not competing against them, but they'd love to spend the time to look at our set of plans and give us, hey, here's some things you're missing. So we have a couple of different groups that we're trying to meet. We're going to try to get uh, our visions in front of them and get Jimmy to, to kind of lay out what the Lord has in store for Overland Park through OPCC and see if these are the guys to help us take it across the finish line. We do have to take our bid set, uh, 90% plans, take it to 100%, which would then be a construction set of plans. Uh, we have to get solid bids. We need to vet those numbers. We need to make sure they are locked in with a set time to those, uh, and that way we know truly what the costs will be. And then we have to do the actual steps of getting the utilities relocated, and we have to start working with the city. Uh, and that is a place that, like, when you work with the city on any construction, that can take days. It can take months. Uh, we have pretty good track record with the city so far, and so we don't think it's going to be a long time. Uh, now, setting expectations as far as what time, there is COVID. I mean, that slowed everything down. Uh, even if we have not purposely slowed down our process, just the world of construction has slowed down. Everyone's trying to spend all the government funding they have till the end of the year. And so most of these construction companies have that first project that gets government funded, but they don't have that second tier. And so we really hope to maximize that opportunity and hit those construction companies when they need that, what's the next job or the next job? We think that's going to be a pivotal position for us to maximize the dollars. Uh, but even then, we're going to move as fast as we can and let the Lord Try to look at it, like we said, through his lens. So if he says go, we're ready to go. Um, there is a backlog of work. Uh, supplies are being held up by COVID. And so even if we're ready to go full steam ahead, uh, just getting anything shipped is extremely hard these days. So we're going to be prepared to ready to pull the trigger whenever the Lord says go. And we're going to be sitting waiting for that. Uh, um, and in closing, I'm reminded of what Shay talked about last week in Matthew 25. And again, in another reference where he had the uh, the, the 10 people waiting for the bridegroom with the oil. And they were, there were some that didn't have the oil, so they weren't ready. And so I'm reminded in Luke 12, verse 35, it says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. And so that idea, as I ate the word of being dressed and ready, that's girding up the tunic, tying it so you can have your legs free to run. And so what we're doing as a church is we are girding up the tunic, getting it ready to get ready to run. And so we need to be ready. We need to have the oil and the lamps, and we need to know what those next steps are. Can I tell you when we break ground? No. But I know that I have a lot of certainty of where we're at, that progress is happening. Things are moving forward. The Lord has moved in, in some pretty miraculous ways that once we get to tell the story at the end, it's going to be a pretty fun thing to sit and watch. So uh, as a church, we're going to gird ourselves up, be ready to know the cost for construction and know our, our timing, and we're going to keep looking at this through the lens of the Holy Spirit. So thank you. I'll let Jimmy come back up and bring us to a close. Thank you guys for sharing. Um, so, Sean, you can go ahead and come on up. 
will lay in this, this plane. I, going back to Luke, he said, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open, his tongue was loose, and he began to speak, praising God. And the neighbors were all filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And so I think we're kind of at a place where um, we're not being silent about the vision. And we believe God is doing something. And I want to encourage you today, kind of bring you up to speed and those of you who maybe are new to the church and, and you're like, man, we'd like to get behind that. Um, we'll have an opportunity for you to do that in the future. Um, some of you who may want to give more will have an opportunity. For, there's always an opportunity for you to do that. Um, so, but right now, would, would you do this? Like today, would you make a commitment just to pray and, and that the Lord would continue to lead and, and he would pave the way for us so that our neighbors can look at awe at what the Lord is doing in this place. And they might think, maybe I had checked that out in these uncertain times where there are no answers for many different things and the world seems broken. It seems like something may be working there in that place. And maybe we could be a part of an incredible revival that happens in our community and God uses us in an amazing way um, to advance his kingdom. So, Let's um, just, I'm going to ask you to bow in a spirit of prayer, and I'm going to pray and commit this to the Lord, and, you know, the offerings in the back, if you want to give an offering on your way out, the plates in the back, Sean will play us out in another song, but I feel like we should just together pray right now. Jesus, we thank you today. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, that... Um, you call us to be a part of something that we, like it's, it's not just fixed, it's moving. And that you give us responsibility in the midst of it to have faith and make decisions and use resources to like, try to walk in obedience as a local body of believers. And Lord, I thank you for the body how sweet it is, Lord, to not be alone today as one who just serves in a, uh, just a member of the body that happens to be the pastor, Lord. Thank you for these guys who shared today. I'm encouraged by that, Lord. I don't feel alone. And I know, Lord, you got this whole thing. You're working in people's lives, and you're moving in the midst of this body, and you've put us together for something special. And we're excited about that. We're excited about how many people come to the place of being able to hear your voice and walk in obedience. Like, that's what we're excited about, Lord. We know, we know the exterior facade, it's just a tool, Lord. It's just a tool. And the main thing is, Lord, helping people to be obedient to you, to listen to you, to, to walk in power and authority with you. And so thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the future that you have designed for this place. And thank you for letting us be a part of it. And Lord, we know that you're going to do exceedingly above and beyond anything we could ever ask and think. 
And so we love you today. We commit these plans to you, and we thank you for a time to talk about them, and we ask it in Christ's name, and amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.